0: All of you who are mothers today, we just want to say we love you so much. Would you go ahead and stand up real quick? All the moms, come on, everybody, give them a big round of applause for all our moms. Woo! Great. Well, we are going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, We've never done this. Normally at K2, uh, when we've hit Mother's Day, we've kind of been in the middle of a series or something, and we've done a little kind of token acknowledgement of moms. But today, uh, we are actually going to make our whole service um, about moms. And so, but here's the deal. Uh, we're not going to worship our moms. One of the things we've realized, I've, I've said this before with my wife, she's a great wife, she's a lousy God. And the same thing is true about moms. Uh, moms are critical. They are, many of us would say our moms are awesome. But if we would ever think that our moms are worth worshiping, then we have a problem. But what we want to do today is take a minute to realize that many of the attributes that we think of when we think of moms positively come from God. And a lot of this came from me. I, I know that for many of us in this room, we come from all different experiences here today. Um, it was wild this morning. We were having breakfast around the table, and you know, we decided to pray uh, for Mother's Day. And man, just immediately for me, uh, the emotion just kicks in again every, every day. My mom passed away in 1990. It's been 18 years, and um, I still miss her like yesterday. And I know for some of you today, uh, in fact, the guy came up after the first service, lost his mom three months ago. Um, for some of you today, it's not that glorious of a day. <laughs> it's kind of a sad day. It's, it's glorious in the fact that I can remember how wonderful my mom was, but some of you are feeling a, maybe a hole today and, uh, from losing your mom. And I'm hoping that maybe God will minister to that part of you um, in that place if you've lost your mom. Um, for some of you, um, you actually have a strained relationship with your mom. And uh, when you think about Mother's Day, it isn't anything you've celebrated. You haven't sent a card in years and you haven't been with your mom. Um, I know I actually know people personally who've been abandoned, who were abandoned by their mom. So when you come and you have Mother's Day and you celebrate Mother's Day, you know it's actually one of those days you wish would just kind of slip right by on the calendar. And we're hoping for you today, if that's you today, that we will be able to lift your eyes a little bit higher off the earthly plane, and get to the spiritual reality of our God. Um, Many of you, all of you who just stood up, it is your day. It's your day. It's Mother's Day. And we do want to celebrate you. And I hope that as we look at God today, it might be a blessing to your own heart um, to fill you up to be the best mom that you possibly could be. But ultimately, what we're hoping today is that by the time we'd walk out of here, that we would have a clearer and more perfect sense of the love of God by looking at the attributes of a mom. And I know we're, we're kind of doing this a little bit because when I was in my, actually, it was probably when I was about 30. I remember I was uh, still single and uh, I was great through my 20s, but when I hit 30, my younger brother got married, four of my closest friends got married, and I started thinking about, you know, what about me? And, um, and I started to really doubt whether God really cared for me and whether he was going to bring me a good, I don't know, you, those of you guys who get a little bit older when you're single, all of a sudden you feel like God's going to bring you this horrendous spouse, you know, he's going to teach you some lesson, you know, and give you somebody that you don't really think is attractive and that you don't want to be with, you know, and it's going to be love, you know, that kind of a thing. And I started really doubting God's goodness for me. And one day I, I stopped and I just said, man, if only my mom could pick my wife for me. Because I knew that my mom loved me so much that she would pick the perfect person. Now, some of you are going, God, thank God my mom didn't pick my spouse for me. (laughs) But, see, my mom and I had a great relationship, man. She knew me, and I knew that if she could pick a woman for me, it would be the perfect person. And then I had this spiritual little moment that happened for me. And I just stopped, and I thought, wait a second. Where does my mom's love come from? See, I would, it was weird to me in that moment that I would rather have my mom pick out my wife for me than God. And what I realized was I trusted my mom's love more than God's love. And then I felt like the spirit inside just kind of goes, Hey, Dave, where did, where's, your, where's your mom's love come from? And the scriptures tell us very clearly that God is love. And I want to tell you right now that the person on this earth who has loved you the most and who has loved you the best is simply a taste, and sometimes a really small taste of what the love of God is like. So what we thought we would do today is say, let's look at three attributes that the majority of people would say are true about moms. The fact that moms are encouragers, and they're the ones who believe in us. I know when my mom passed away, I have two brothers and two sisters, and the five of us were around the casket, and all of us said, you know what, man, we just lost our cheerleader. We lost the one who just said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. It, you know, it was great. Didn't you love that about your mom? I don't know, like, that was my mom. I mean, you know, it's like you scribble something, it's like, Oh! This is beautiful. How many of you guys have pictures like that on your refrigerator right now? Oh, it's Picasso. You know, it's unbelievable. No matter what you did, some, some, many times moms just have this, you're the best. And we're going to look and see if maybe that could come from God. What about the whole idea of how sacrificial our moms are? And, and you know what? Again, if you, even if you had a strained relationship with your mom, did you know that you're alive today because of her? For nine months, I've never been pregnant. Okay, <laughs> surprising. But, uh, but I've witnessed it three times and with many other people. And for nine months, a woman gives of her body to form another life. And then as soon as that baby comes, what happens? Man, night, sleepless nights, constant giving of yourself. Even if your mother didn't love you well, she sacrificed for you. And we're going to look at where does that come from? And look at God with that. And then the third one is how mom's love seems to never end. You know what's interesting? When a guy goes to prison, who does he write? Do you guys know this? They've actually done studies on this. They write their moms. Nobody writes their dads. Isn't that interesting? And when the pro football player makes a touchdown and the cameras come on him, he doesn't go, Hey, Dad! Right? What's he do? Hi mom! I always wonder what dad's doing sitting there. Oh, what? Know? What am I? Chop liver? You know, what I mean, but there's something about this mom that whether you're the star football player or the guy who landed up in prison, there's this belief that my mom will still love me. Now, again, I know that not all of our experiences are like that, but the majority of them are. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna look at a few stories of people who experienced these with their moms. And then Mary is going to lead us right after each story with some worship. And so as you listen to the story, you might want to reflect on your own mom. But we're really hoping what you might do is take that attribute of a mom and lift it up higher as we worship and put it on the God who does it perfectly. Whether your mom did it for you or not, your Father in heaven today loves you that way. All right? So let's join this together.
1: My name is Eric Lindquist. I grew up in Jamestown, New York, and my mother's name is Sarah Lindquist, and she now lives in Spring Hill, Florida. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of my mom is the word encourager. Um, When I was growing up, my dad was gone a lot. He was a long distance truck driver, and my mom was the one who went to the football games, went to the baseball games, went to any other events that I had going on. And my mom gave me the freedom to be who wanted to be and to do what I wanted to do. One of the biggest ways my mom supported me was in my decision to be a musician. I had gone to college for four years. and My parents had paid for that. And I decided at that point that I wanted to be in a band and wanted to make music. And my mom supported me totally in that decision because she knew it's what I wanted to do. When I started to write songs, I would bring songs to my mom and show her. She always uh, was amazed at how good they were. She, she would say, is that you? Is that your band? I always felt like my mom thought I was really talented, like I was Paul Simon or something. And and it wasn't like she was being insincere. She was really, that's just what she thought. Um, That gave me a lot of confidence growing up. And even after many, many years of unsuccessfully pursuing music, my mom still supported me. She never told me, I'll get a real job. She always believed that I could be successful at it. And it really gave me confidence. That support was, was really important to me. Um, and now as, as an adult, um, my mom still supports me. I know that she thinks that I'm a good dad. I know that she thinks I'm a good husband. I know that she thinks that I'm a good son. She accepted me as I was. She, she loved me for who God made me to be. She was loving me with God's love. And, and again, instilling me with, with his confidence and uh, his freedom to dream and follow my heart. And uh, that kind of support, that kind of love and confidence is um, still, still affects me to this day.
2: You know, I have the privilege of knowing both Eric and his mom. And uh, when I watch this, I am reminded of the months um, when I was pregnant with my son Andrew, who's up here this morning on the drums. Um, and I remember walking, I was a student at the university at the time, finishing up my last year at the U, and I would walk to the bus, and during the time when I would walk to the bus, I used that as a time to pray for this baby. And I didn't want to know if I was having a boy or a girl, so I, I, I just prayed generically for this baby. And I remember having dreams for him, I remember praying specifically that God would give me a musical child, um, one that would, um, whose heart would just be passionate about God and passionate about music and that he could somehow do the two of those things and that I'd, I could benefit from that. But as we go into this time of worship and we start with this first song, I think it's good to remember that that motherly part where as is we feel like we already know these babies before they are born the Bible tells us that before the foundations of the earth that he loved us the Bible tells us that he, he knew us in our mother's womb every hair on our head that he knows us so intimately and so if Eric's mom could be that kind of an encourager how much more can we really experience uh, the encouragement of God, that He believes in you and who He wants you to become.
3: Hi, my name is Julie Nans and my mom is Linda Nans. My mom is um, born and raised in Salt Lake City. She is uh, the oldest of three. When I think of my experience with my mom, our our relationship's been kind of up and down um, throughout my life. Uh, I'm a lot more uh, we're a lot different we're, we're pretty opposite when it comes to personalities and we we've clashed a lot when I, as I've grown up but as I've grown older we've really been able to establish a um, a really priceless relationship she has given up a lot several years ago I was in a motor scooter accident in France and uh, my mom the minute she heard um, she dropped everything, her job, and hopped a plane, and came over to a country where uh, she she didn't speak French, she didn't know um, much of anything other than that I needed her. My tendons had been destroyed in my knee, and there was this one tendon that I really needed in order to walk normal, and um, she stood right up and asked the doctor if she could give hers um, in place of me, mine. And, um, he told her no because then she wouldn't walk normal and she said so. She was willing to sacrifice her ability to walk so that I could walk. Giving up her time um, at work, at home, um, to get me better, uh, I can now walk normal today. The way she's modeled love is, is that it's when you love someone, you're willing to give up for them. And you're willing to sacrifice for them, and I'd like to think that one day, when I'm, um, when I'm a parent, that I would be willing to sacrifice in the ways that she did. But I'm not sure that that will be possible to do it at that level. She was willing to do. She's willing to do anything for me.
2: Leaving the United States and going all the way to France, which for some of us who've not been to Europe, that does seem like an awfully long distance. And going into a foreign culture and it reminds me of how far away Jesus came, how far away from his home he came. The Bible says that he left everything, he left all of his right to be the Lord of Lords, to come and be conceived in a woman's body, this awesome God of the universe, in this little itty-bitty teeny living space right here, and then to be born and to walk among us, to come and move into our neighborhoods because of how much God loves us. Uh, For me, with Julie's story, that's almost more powerful than the giving of the tendon, but that she would leave and go so far away to make sure her daughter was taken care of, and that is exactly why God sent Jesus. He left everything so that we could be taken care of, be brought into that perfect relationship with God the Father. Um, He he took care of it all. He paid it all.
4: My name is Candace Kugler. And my mom is Connie Stucka, and she lives on a little farm in North Dakota. And she is the mother of four. I'm the oldest, and I have two sisters and a brother. And my mom loves me unconditionally. She's just really always been there for us and loved us through the good things and the bad things. And she takes care of everyone and, and everything with all of her heart. Mom showed me that she loved me by disciplining me and giving me boundaries and giving me rules, not letting me fall off a cliff. I can just think of um, not any big events in my life that she showed me how much she loved me through, but it's those little like everyday moments in my life. For example, in junior high when I was convinced that they were ruining my life and proceeded to tell them so, um, she loved me through that whole phase or um, whether it was when I had my babies and she was there for every one of them, oh, I'm going to cry, <laughs> um, how she's always there for me. She's just a, an amazing example to me of loving me no matter what I do. And I think how that relates to me knowing how God loves me. and. When I had my first daughter, I realized how much God loves me because, as a mom, how much I love her and how can that even be possible that God loves me that much. So when I think of how much my mom loves me and how much God loves me, it's it's pretty incredible to think that someone has that in their heart.
0: It is pretty incredible. When you're loved on a human level, um, it is a healing thing. And it is something that every single human being is made for and needs to receive. But what we want to do today, as we've said earlier, is if you can stop and imagine the person who's loved you the best, the person who's loved you the most, and again to realize that the love of God in those areas is so much more. Than the best you've ever tasted here on earth and thinking of about how god is an encourager and how god is sacrificial and how god's love is just better than anything else it just it just never ends i just want to throw a few passages on you the first a few things that really hit me when i was thinking about this one of my favorite ones happens in matthew chapter 16 when we stop and we think about how god is an encourager and if you're a mom uh, here today um, I'm going to just encourage you uh, to listen to these and to, to think about what this could mean for you as a mom, to know what you could actually be doing and what you could be pouring into your, into your uh, child's lives right now. And uh, for all of us, uh, for the, well, let me, before I go there, and for those of you, again, who maybe didn't have a great experience with your mom, I want you to hear this from the God who loves you perfectly and that this is how he does feel towards you. And for all of us to come to this place of what could happen if we could walk out of here in the next few minutes and really believe that God loves us this way. The first one, the story that hits me is in Matthew chapter 16. And it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I love this passage because if, you, if you've read the Bible at all, you know that Peter is just this guy who loves to just shout stuff out. He doesn't think before he speaks. He, he has to put his foot in his mouth all the time. He just makes, he's, he's a great character to study. If, you've never, if you just want to go through the Bible, if you haven't read it much, just kind of follow Peter's life. He'll make you feel a lot better about yourself, actually, if you do. And, but here's one of these moments where Jesus is going, man, who do people say that I am? I've been doing all this amazing stuff. I'm revealing who I am. And what do they say? And, and Peter, they give him some answers, and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And I can imagine the, all the 11, you know, because they're the ones that kind of hold back a little bit, you know, oh, I'm not sure if I want to get, you know, I my, my might not have the right answer. And Peter lays it out there and says, man, you're the Christ. But what I love about this story is when Jesus looks at me and says, and you are Peter. You are Peter. Yeah, 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 you. The guy that I have no control over, who just goes all over the place and, and, and you know is rash and, and, and out of controls at times. You are the rock. <laughs> you just you gotta you gotta again catch the, the significance of this. Peter, a rock? Peter, stable and solid. He's anything but. But God could see past and look to his heart and go, but you are the rock. It's on this rock that I'm going to build my church, Peter, the rock of your faith. You believe in me, and I can see that. And when I read this story, there's a guy, John Eldridge, who's written some stuff, and one of the things he said is that every single one of us at some time needs to hear our name from our Heavenly Father. We need to receive our name. I've said this here before, but before I ever got married, before I ever had kids, I thought, man, if I do have kids, one of the things I can't wait to do is to see, is to try to, in a prayerful mode with God, see inside my kids and figure out who they really are and then pull that out of them. So yesterday was Mariah's first dance recital with Tanner Dance Program. You know, so she got to dance at the Kingsbury Hall, right up on the stage, and do all this great stuff. And man, all of a sudden, you just there's part of you, you know, as 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 a dad and watching Susie as a mom, where you just see this in your kids, and you just you just want to pull stuff out of them, and to see who it is that God made them to be, to be this incredible encourager. Like when when I was a kid, um, and this is kind of embarrassing for me to share, but it was the truth. I remember I used to kind of feel like I could do anything. And I remember I was sitting at the piano bench because I had to take piano because my mom was a piano teacher. I hated that, you know. I remember literally I would. There was one time where I sat on the bench because I, my mom would say you're going to sit here for a half hour. So I sat there for a half hour and cried. I didn't practice. I cried because I wanted to be out playing football, you know. Instead, but I remember I would just sit there. And my mom, as as Candace said, sometimes they set boundaries for you and they make you do things. But I'll never forget. Eventually, when I got older and I could play, and I think I was going to perform somewhere at, at a school or something. And I remember sitting there thinking, I looked at my mom and I said, You know what, mom? I think I could pretty much do anything. I know it's really proud, but I was like 12. Give me a break. And I said, But I, but I remember saying, You know, I think I could pretty much do anything I want to do. And my mom looked at me and she said, I know you could. See, now what my mom could have done is said, no, come on, David, let's, you know, let's, let's be realistic here, you know, right? She could have come in and been realistic, help me see all my shortcomings and help me, you know. No, my mom came in and she said, I know you could. That was my mom. You know, it's, it's, it's like watching us right now. With, you know, those of you who have little kids again, and you're, they, they scribble all over the paper, but you see the beauty in it, and you pull it out of them. You guys, I feel like what God wants to do and what he does with, by giving moms, most moms, this incredible ability just to cheer over their children, <laughs> just to see the beauty in their kids and to pull it out, is that your father in heaven, he's not going to look at you and call you Peter, but if he could look in you in your eyes, he would tell you, this is who you are. This is who I created you to be. And if you put your faith in me too, oh, You will find everything that I have for you. And again, I don't know if your mom was a cheerleader or not. My mom was. And it's hard for me to think that my God up in heaven actually rejoices over me with singing. You know the scriptures say that? God rejoices over you with singing. You guys ever feel like he does that? Like, I never feel like he does that, actually. But the scriptures would say, and what we can learn from our moms is the best cheerleading mom, again, is just a taste of how much your God in heaven cheers for you and how much he believes in you. And then what's amazing is you go a little bit later in the story, and you guys know right with Peter, what did he do? When Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, you know, and he told you guys, all you guys are going to abandon me. And Peter says, what? No, nope, not me. You know, again, he's the one that steps out. I'll, I'll never, I'll never deny you. And Jesus goes, oh, all right, Peter. Actually, you will. You know, like three times, actually. So the rooster crows. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And and you can imagine, you know, when you love somebody and you want to please them and you fall short and you don't make it, what happens? You know, all of you moms out there, how many times do your kids fall short? Okay? How many times? How many times did you fall short with your mom? How many times can we drive each other crazy? And what I love about it is at the very end, after Jesus dies on the cross, he rises again, he comes back, and he has this incredible encounter with Peter. And it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And what Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Then feed my sheep. You guys, this is one of the greatest stories in all the scriptures. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And you know what Jesus was doing here? He was going back to the core, into the heart. Of who Peter was. Did Jesus know that Peter loved him? Yes, he knew all things. He goes, I know you love me. You know who was doubting if he loved Jesus anymore? Peter! <laughs> Peter was thinking, I blew it. I'm scum. I'm a nobody. I could never be. I can't live up to what I'm supposed to be. And I'm telling you guys, with our kids, they are gonna blow it and they're gonna mess up and they're gonna screw up. And so did you, all of us do. And you know what moms sometimes do? They're the ones when we've screwed up, right? Us dads, we like to show them where they screwed up, right? And we're going to fix them, and we're going to make it all better. And then we all go cry to our mom, right? Mom comes over and puts her arms around us, right? And says, no, no, you're okay. Why does she do that? Because our God does that. He went to Peter, and he said, Peter, you're the rock. Can you imagine Peter going, the rock? Are you kidding I'm like maybe sand or pebbles or something. I just fall apart. And Jesus goes, no. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Okay. Yes. I feel like Jesus was saying, I know you do. I know you do. Moms, keep doing this. Keep doing this. Keep believing in your kids. And let them know the beauty and the purpose, and the vision that you see for their life. Keep being the cheerleader. Keep making them feel like a hundred bucks, because every one of us needs to feel that way, and that's what God does. And then is he sacrificial? Hello. You know, our, our moms, and all that they give up, the time, the money, the sacrifice. You know what's weird with my mom? So she gets, she dies, and, and after she died, you know, obviously, all of us kids wanted something really valuable of my mom's so that we could keep it. And you know what was really funny? She didn't have anything. It was unbelievable to us. I mean, literally, we were scouring the house trying to find something of value of my mom's. And we couldn't find anything. My little sister got her engagement ring, and my, my older sister got her wedding ring, and us three boys got the memory that my mom was more about others than herself. And I want to tell you, the sacrifice that you have given as a mom, I hope God refreshes you for that. But you guys remember this. Jesus Christ gave up his very life. And you noms know you do the same thing. But he gave his life for you. And can I just tell you, if you're ever wondering if you're valuable or not, <laughs> you know, and especially all you moms, if you're struggling, you know, as you're pouring yourself out, Just remember that there's one who poured himself out for you. And then lastly, before we we sing to this last point about the amazing love of God, you guys, is to remember that the love of God never ends. It never ends. He is absolutely committed to you. If you are a child of God today, right? And remember the scripture says if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you receive him, then he gives the right to you to become a child of God. And if you're his child, then you need to know today that you are dearly loved. And for all of you out there who didn't have a great experience with your mom, and maybe you're struggling with this whole deal today, I'm hoping that you'll know that your Father in heaven is absolutely committed to you forever. There's a great passage in the Old Testament in Isaiah. starting It's chapter 49, starting in verse 13. It says, Shout for joy, O heavens! Rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Those two words right there by the way are great mom words, aren't they? Comfort. It still bugs me that my kids won't run to me when they're hurt. They run to Mommy, cuz Mommy can comfort them better. They're comforters and they're compassionate, just like God. And then it says, but Zion and but Zion said, "The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me." And again, some of you may feel that way today. Listen to this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. (coughs) And we know, again, that the majority of moms cannot forget the baby that they have born. Some have, but the majority don't. The baby that they nursed will forever be their baby. And God uses that illustration to say, and even if she could forget, I can't. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. So our hope for today was for us to stop just for a few moments and think about moms. Think how sacrificial they are, how loving they are, how encouraging they are, and then to remind every one of us that they don't come close to how sacrificial and loving and encouraging is our God. We get to taste it through our moms, but we get to really receive it from him. And I pray if you're mom today, that you would receive all that you need from him. He would give you that love for your kids, that vision for your kids, that patience for your kids, and that unending love for your kids. Because it changes our lives, you guys. It really changes our lives. So Mary, why don't you guys stand up? And we're going to just sing a couple more songs of worship under this God and this love that he has for us. We are going to take our offering right now during this first one. Again, if you came visiting with us today, you don't worry about this moment. But again, in response to the great love, just, it's just like it's Mother's Day today, right? And, and again, if my mom was alive and watching my kids, Mariah woke up at 6.30, woke up a half hour early. Grabbed uh, uh, Ashlyn, woke her up as well, pulled her out of bed. They set up this table and she put all these flowers together and little eggs and she said that, you know, she wrapped presents just to make sure that it would be ready for her mom. Now, why does she do that? Because she's been so loved by her mom. So, what does she want to do? She wants to give back to her mom. See, when we take the offering here, it's like here's your chance to give back to your God. The one who loves you and is sacrificial to you. Who's given you everything that you own in the first place. Wouldn't it be weird today to do Mother's Day and say, you know, I don't I really want to get you anything today. I really, I really love you though, you know. See, the offering, you guys, it's not about, hey, you know, God demands money from you. He says, no, I don't. He goes, but if your heart's full of love towards me, then you'll just give to me. Just like your heart is full of love to your mom today, and that's why you're giving to So if you want to give because you love him, then do that. But more than that, let's all just worship him, get to the deepest part of your heart, whether you need to be ministered to by the love of God or whether you just need to say, man, thank you, Lord, for loving me no matter who I've been. Let's do that together.